Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Claire Denis' High Life was one of the most buzzed-about movies at last year's New York Film Festival. Starring Robert Pattinson and Juliette Binoche, the film is set aboard a spacecraft piloted by death row prisoners on a decades-long suicide mission to enter and harness the power of a black hole. See High Life here at the Film Society starting this Friday, April 26th. Claire Denis and Robert Pattinson joined us for a press conference after the film's premiere at NYFF. The conversation was moderated by our director of programming, Dennis Lim. Let's go to that now. Thank you both um, for being here. We, I'll start with a few questions before we open it up. Claire, uh, your films are typically, I think, very concretely situated in the real world, in reality. Um, this film is set almost entirely on a spaceship in the void of, of outer space. Uh, I'm just wondering if that meant a change of approach in how you thought about it and whether it was a very different experience working to a large extent on a set? Very honestly, um, I have to say the the important thing was, was happening between the character and the space, uh, thing, uh, was more like a situation where even more than in a death corridor, people are together, but forever till they die, you know? And, and where there is not even hope to escape, which could happen if you're in juvie or in jail. And um, I don't know, for me, it was a, a sort of outside the solar system so far that time Time on Earth is not their time, you know? I, I, I'm not a scientific, but then I learn a little bit. And I think that was the important. Not space, really, mm-hmm. you know? Jail thing. The ultimate jail, yeah. if I can say so. Yeah. This was um, a Is fil- it a, a proper answer? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> No, I don't know, uh, uh, because people say it's a science fiction movie. Uh, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Um, This was the film was several years in the making. You actually made another film that you were here with um, last year while this was going on. Um, And um, since we have um, Robert here, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about. uh, He's almost not here. (laughs) I think he's here. about um, this process um, of, of casting him. I remember you telling me that the, the delay actually helped convince you that he was right for this part because you had envisioned an older character. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's horrible to say the delay helped me to think he was right. No, he was right uh, probably since the very minute I met him, but... The delay helped me to realize he was even bit better than this, this dream about having this um, older man 
tired with life, at the end, wishing nothing but die, was sordid, you know? And Robert was bringing, Robert was bringing something I had not expected. But I was a little bit afraid, to be honest, because I think it, it's, um, I was afraid, not of his use, I was afraid, maybe, maybe he was too good looking, or maybe too, too precious to me in a way, you know? I thought, oh my God, I, I have to be aware of that, you know? And not to be afraid by his charisma. Robert. You don't have to be afraid. <laughs> no, no, it's true. In a way, you, you, you're very honest, but you don't realize, for me, you, you represent a, a charismatic person. When did you uh, first discover Clara's films? Uh, I think I, I saw white material in maybe 2010 or 2011 and uh, uh, on TV and then just immediately I just thought it was it just seemed like I'm, I'm always really like directors who can really really create a very specific world which feels very contained in the movie and um I think I started kind of trying to chase her down, which took about three years to get a to get a meeting, <laughs> like maybe longer than that, four years to get a meeting. And yeah, when this came about, I was kind of. I mean, I I never really thought she'd do a movie in completely in English as well, so it was kind of it was a bit of a shock to me. To say that the truth, we wrote the script in French with Jean-Paul Fargeau, but. For me, it had to be in English because there was no way for me as people in space could speak French, you know? For me, <laughs> you, you see, it, it, it would be so fun. You know, so it, it was either English or Russian, you know, no way. Um, can you talk about putting the rest of the, the cast together. Um, Juliet sort of came in fairly late in the process, as I understand it. I'm wondering if that role was adapted for her after she joined the film. I mean, we just finished um, the, the other film. Yeah. We were in Cannes, and, and then Patricia Arquette, Patricia Arquette, I, I have met in L.A., and I thought was going to be the doctor, um, um, was... Um, the dates were not good anymore for her. She also, she had been waiting two years. So Juliette was there. We were in Cannes. And, and she said, why not me? Not, not in, a, in a nice way, you know? And I knew my producers were, would be very happy if she was in the film, in a way, you know? Um, uh, I was afraid to do two films in a row with her because it was so close. So that's why I invent to help me this long growing hair, like four years of growing hair, 
to, to help her and me. Um, and of, of course I knew also Robert, I've been working with her in this Cronenberg movie, Cosmopolis, great movie. Um, among other things, um, this is a film about um, a father-daughter relationship, um, and it strikes me that you had made a film about that relationship um, in 35 Shots of Rum, um, and you talk about that as sort of coming from, from Ozu. Um, this seems like a very different kind of attachment, um, but can you talk about you know, this wanting to return to this, this dynamic between father and daughter? I wish uh, Robert could answer, but I have to do the answering. But I mean, the thing is, yeah, when I did 35 Shots of Rome, it was like my mother and grandfather's story that, in fact, I saw when I, when I watched Ozu's movie, Late Spring, uh, I saw it maybe 20 times. I brought my mother there. It was so really much like their own story, you know, being uh, such a couple, you know, being so desperate to split in a way, you know, and to separate. And I think in that case, it was different. I thought it was about a taboo, maybe, probably, yeah. Yeah, I think. It, it's like the, the thing that even though you are, you are on earth, of course, father and daughter is a, it, it's, a, it's complex. Um, I don't need to quote Freud, but it's something that exists strongly between human being and then no. And I thought in, in, that con in those conditions, it will create for the character interpreted by Robert a huge responsibility first. Probably the character at the beginning, when he's alone, he thinks the best would be to jump, to die. But then he cannot, he, he has this responsibility of this little baby. And so they stay alive together until they reach a moment where he knows it's going to be more difficult. Maybe, maybe not for the father, but probably for the daughter. I don't know. Um, Robert, you have these long sequences where your um, co-star is, is an infant. Can you talk a little bit about just working with a baby for such? They're quite remarkable sequences, and uh, I'm just wondering if you can talk about that particular challenge of acting with a baby. I mean, it kind of changed how I, who I thought the character was completely. I mean, I think when I was when I was first thinking about it, the taboo element of the 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 future relationship. I thought because Monte was so kind of. Uh, kind of, he, he was putting put so much pressure on himself all the time. I thought that he would put that pressure on his daughter 
afterwards, and that would kind of create this incredibly intense relationship. But then you find just in the performance, you can't really help but be quite soft to when you're when you're with a baby. And I, I mean, I'd kind of planned to be a lot just stranger and just something which felt wrong with all those scenes. I mean, it's just almost impossible to do that. Um, and it kind of, I think it sort of softened the whole performance, really, because, I mean, especially what I, what, what I was thinking I was initially intending to do anyway. But uh, it's, I mean, I, I, I always, when people say, you know, don't work with animals and, and children and stuff, I think it's, it makes it exponentially easier. You just have someone who's a constant little font of inspiration all the time. You're just being, you just have the, you can just be totally reactive rather than, I mean, you're, you're completely unselfconscious if you're with a, if you're with a baby the whole time. Um, I mean, I loved, I completely loved it. It was the same for us, I guess. For us, for the crew. Something happened with uh, Scarlett, this little girl, whom, by the way, um, Robert knew. He, he cast her, actually. No, I mean, he did, no, of course, he didn't cast her. He would not impose a little daughter on a film, but he knew she's the daughter of one of his best friends. And I was um, desperate that the baby that we had in Köln to start the film with, I couldn't, I was not ready to shoot with that baby. And I realized um, Robert felt the same. So we decide at night, I don't know if Juliette is in there, but she remember well. We, we call Sam, your friend, in the middle of the night, ask him to come urgently, save us. We need a baby immediately. <laughs> <laughs> With a mother to yeah. feed her. <laughs> but the initial baby we had, It would have just been an entirely different movie. Oh, yeah. I, I, just touching her, as soon as I held the kid, she just would not stop screaming the entire time. And so that would have been an entirely different beginning. I, I, I told, I remember me the, telling the, the, the production, I cannot shoot, I, I really cannot shoot with a baby like that because not, it's not a bad baby, but it's a, it, it's a baby. <laughs> They, they had chosen twins. They wanted twins to make sure. But twins, it's a, not a great idea because twins are different. They are not the same. And twins, when they're separate, they are unhappy, you know? So it was a, a crazy decision. Okay, enough with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you talk... Actually, maybe you could both talk about this, just the um, the the design of the spaceship and sort of what it was like, you know, being being on set. It's um, conceptualizing what this this vessel was going to be. Um, it's it's um, it's strikingly like a kind of low tech in a way, which I think works really well with when you think about like who are the people who were put on this ship, you know, these sort of Um, misfits and, and criminals, um, but like designing this ship with its various, you know, spaces, including the uh, fuck box, I think it's called, and uh, the garden, you know, which is a very important space in 
uh, on, on board as well. People are leaving. Do you want to answer? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Do I answer? Yeah. So, um, the, I always, I thought when I, we were writing the script that there was a, a corridor in the middle that was very important, like in a jail, uh, surrounded by the cell. And, and then the garden was very important always. It was the first image of the film, always, in the script. And, um, and um, fuck, so-called fuck box also was important. I don't know. There were my conception of uh, being in, a, in jail forever and having some this garden and this box um, to survive, you know? But they were important for me also because it says those, those prisoners are, uh, yet they, are, they have a relation with Earth, you know? They, they know that the garden is Earth, even though maybe Earth does not exist anymore by then. Mm, except the baby, yeah. And I think um, the style, th there was in Köln where we sh shot in the studio, we trained in a place called the European um, Space Center where a real astronaut train. And, and we visit all those places together and the Soyuz, the Russian little capsule that is still used for return on Earth, is, to, you say low-tech, but this is incredible. It's like camping tent, you know, with two pedals. And if your arm is not long enough, you have a stick to push the button, you know. No, it's... and. The, even the computer are like, look like in the 80s. And I asked why, and they said, till today there is no better way because this is um, heavy technology from the 80s and it's very solid. And I thought, wow, this is great, you know? And with the art director, we, it, it creates something right with the, Jail shape, you know. Nothing else to say. I'll just ask Robert one more, and, and then we also can. Also, it means yeah. also that they were not warrior, they were not con they were not guy and woman con for the conquest of space. That's I can't stand that idea. Uh, Robert, can you talk about whether there was any specific preparation you did for this role? Um, and I also was uh, curious about your, how you felt about singing the, uh, the theme song, uh, which we hear over the closing credits. Uh, I mean, I guess I had, I was attached for such a long time, but I was kind of, I was just, I was thinking about it for a really long time. And we, I, I met up with Claire a bunch in Paris and, but I mean, I just kind of, the more I got to know her, the more, 
I kind of realized I don't I don't I don't know if it's how your mind thinks, but what I found kind of inspiring. I mean, I remember you talking about we went to I went up with her in Paris, I think maybe the first time, and you were talking about um like Ian Curtis for for like just I gave a speech about Ian Curtis for ages. And I'm trying to like think, okay, yeah, Ian Curtis, yeah. Like, okay, so, so you want me to play it like Ian Curtis? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, like, kind of impose that into it. And then it's, and I'm like, and I sort of, I remember asking after school, like, so how do I interpret Ian Curtis into, into Monte? And you're like, no, no, it's not, it's not about the part at all. And I was just thinking, like, there's something about just getting anything which is just in the ether. I mean, it's not the literal interpretation of something. It's just kind of letting stuff enter you. Like, I mean, and uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I'd, never, I'd never really, I don't even think you're intending for me to think like that, but I just kind of started to just really enjoy it. It's the only director I've ever worked with where I was in the, uh, a museum in, in Cologne. And I still, we were about two weeks away from, from shooting. And, uh, and I remember talking to Juliet, being like, I don't know what I'm doing at all like, I mean, it's just cr- and like and then we went to the the modern art museum and there was this sculpture and for some reason just i was looking at this slightly abstract sculpture and i was like i was like why does this this feels like something and it was it was it was a a, a sculpture of a woman uh, breastfeeding um but it, just the shape of it and there was something i always loved about claire's work is just the kind of just use using your body as more not architectural but just like it's just I'd never done that and that's what I always really loved in in her work and I was trying to figure out how I could um kind of insert myself into that world and try and figure out how to use my body like that and I remember showing this photograph of the sculpture to her and she was like yes that's it and I was like and I'd never I mean it's such a it's almost ridiculous but you can show an abstract sculpture about nothing to do with the movie and you can show it to a director and no questions are say like yes you're right to make that a part of the character and I like to try and you know if, if most directors would be like what are you talking about you need to explain this to me and it's just to kind of have a shorthand of a uh, uh, you know being being able to think slightly abstractly um I guess it's not really preparation, but it's kind of just getting yourself in a, in a, in a mindset that was kind of different to anything I'd done before. And, um, and yeah, and just kind of allowing yourself to be there, if that makes any sense. And, uh, about Ian Curtis, I would say it was crazy for me in a cafe in Paris to say that to Robert. But it was, there was something strange, a strange connection in me about him being that young guy, famous suddenly, and yet so alone, you know, so young and so alone, and everything was, for me, every thought, every image I saw of him, um, and even the way he was singing, was like um, the world was not a friend to him. He was, even though he loved his wife, and, and there, he was uh, surrounded by trouble, by enemy. He was, he was um, 
There was pain in his body of being, even his movement. There was something of a young monk too, huh? in a way. Uh, of course, I didn't want you to interpret mm. like a Jan Curtis, but for me, it was an image of a young knight of the Middle Age, alone in the modern world. Mm. And that was something I had in mind. Um, and just the music, working with Stuart Staples again, and, and this time actually having a song written for the credits, which Robert sings. Mm. He did it on his own. Stuart is a very secret person, so his English is, he speaks English in such a way that I hardly understand what he says, and my English is such that he probably do not understand what I say. And we get along for years and years together like that. He lives in France, doesn't speak French. And I always say, yes, 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 you know, in, in, so that. And he said, yes, yes, yes to me, but I know something in between I don't get until it's the moment to hear the music or the song. So I think I was, one day he told me, I said, I called you yesterday, you were not answering. He said, no, I was in London recording the song with Robert. I said, the song with Robert? <laughs> okay. And because for years I told him, I would like a song, I would like a song about, about and that he made it his own way, you know? That Stuart is a very, um, he's sharing probably a lot of things, but he, he doesn't want to say what. It's nice recording with him as well, because I love his singing voice, and I'd never recorded ah, professionally like a studio before, and I, I just, he sang a demo of it and I'm just trying to imitate his voice. And it's just, it's weird to kind of, to, I mean, you're doing it like, like an act, cause he's got quite a specific accent in his singing as well. And so I was literally doing it on, and he was like, just sing it your own way. I'm like, no, I wanna, I wanna do it exactly as you sang it. So I was literally recording it word for word, listening to his voice again and again and again, trying to sing it like him. He was so, so happy with the song. Yeah, it's, it's strange not to, to be understood by someone without talking so much. And I understand him so well, it's, it's very strange. But it is my, it's seven or eight film we met together. This is long. Um. What an exceptional experience we've all just had with this film. Uh, I wanted to ask you, one of the, the trademarks of your work, Ms. Denis, is textures. And just understanding, like, you know, even though we're, we're, we're watching and hearing your films, but there's, there's a sense of touch to all of your work. And I, I was fascinated by the way that the, the material shot on Earth um, and in the garden seemed to have, like, I guess the grain structure of it was such, that there was, there was a very tactile element of that that seemed more minimized with the footage in the, the space jail 
and uh, and some of the other textures. I was just wondering if that was a if that was something that you wanted to emphasize um, in in that sort of you know the memory of Earth was something that was a bit more tactile than this sort of abstract space gel, if that makes any sense at all. Strangely, I didn't want to emphasize the texture or my, I'm working like a blind person, you know, I go forward with my sensation. I thought I am going to shoot with a small 16 millimeter camera, that's it. And I was not trying to create a, a texture. I wanted that image on Earth were made with film and light because we were on Earth, not like in the ship where I thought a digital camera was perfect. That's all. But it was not to create that um, texture. It was just because it was fair for me. And also I enjoyed using this camera, yeah. We did all those shots in, in Poland. And I had this uh, Polish young guide, DP, you know, small crew. It was really, I was, I had left the ship and I was on earth, you know. Uh, I was no more with the same crew and apart from me, I was the same people. Hi. Um... So I, like many people in this room, have uh, been eagerly anticipating this project for a number of years. And um, it's interesting to see all the kind of transformations it's uh, had over the years, at least from an outside perspective. And uh, I recall that initially, um, author Zadie Smith was attached to assist with scripting. And about two, three years ago, uh, she was a guest speaker at my school, and I asked her about the project. And at this point, she admitted that actually she had departed the project. And I'm just curious if you could perhaps speak on that collaboration or her involvement. I think Oliver Dungey, the producer who wanted me to meet with her and was right because we wrote in French and I told him I don't want only a translation. I would like to be able to speak with someone that speaks American and I can decide about dialogue with that person, you know, because translation of a French dialogue never worked really, you know. And I met Zadie in London with the producer, and I met her with her husband because she wanted to share the work with Nick Laird, her husband. And I was impressed by her beauty. And I'm a very stupid. She was beautiful and, and half uh, from the Caribbean, and I thought, yes. You know, I, I, I was impressed by that, you know. But then when we came to work, we were so opposed in every idea. She had, we had, we could, there was nothing we could share, not even a word, you know. She, it's not, it, it's not, you know, it's a vision, it's it, nothing against her, but she, 
wanted the people of the ship to, um, they, she wanted them to return on Earth, going home, she kept telling me. I said, what the fuck do you mean going home? <laughs> Maybe there is no more, no one alive there, you know? And it's not a fault, it was her obsession. And she said, hi, life is a bad title. Let's call it a new life. I said, a new life. It's not really a new life, you know? And details like that made me think, I really tried, honestly tried. But sometimes people that don't have, they have different perception of the world. And I've been read, I've read a book in French, in English, and I know why we are not, we are on the same planet, but not living the same life, for sure, yeah. It's strange, this idea of going home. I mean, for me, it was, she wanted even the baby to, wants to, you know, for me, going home, maybe because I was born far from home, I never experienced that feeling in my life. Yeah, in a way, to pay the bill or, you know. No, but I mean, going home as a concept, it's a film concept, going home, you know? Like the Nicholas Ray, beautiful film. Um, this is Nicholas Ray, yes. When he says, going home, I understand. Because Nicholas Ray is really desperate. So then I understand. Thank you for a wonderful film, this art here. Uh, Robert, uh, congratulations on another wonderful performance. Um, so question for you. Uh, you have, uh, like people talk in Hollywood about branding, but as an actor, you have done phenomenal work in all sorts of, from Vampire to uh, Explorer to uh, Space Father. So uh, what's, uh, what's your criteria as an actor? Uh, like, you know, how, what attracts to you, uh, you to a project? And uh, uh, what does it mean to you, like, you know, being an actor because you're doing all kind of wonderful work? What does it mean to you? Uh, what attracts me to a project? I mean, in general, it's pretty simple. I'll, I'll, I'll have seen a director's work and very few things hit me as hard as like Claire's work did, for instance. Um, and I just think if something has a pretty profound effect on you, then just go and try and work with those people. And I, and I kind of just, uh, I basically approach people who I really love and just say, I don't, I don't care what part it is or what, um, anything to do with the specific project. I just said it, whatever you would like to do with me at any point in the future, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> like, um, and it generally kind of seems to work out in the way that I wanted it to work out. But I mean, and also I think, uh, I think I try and approach like with, with this, I kind of, I looked at all of Claire's movies and there's, there's a, it seems like all of her, actors have a, a total 
unselfconsciousness and they really seem to inhabit their physicality a lot. And um, it was just one of those things which I sort of obsessed with thinking I'm, I, you know, as a person don't fully inhabit my body and stuff. And I, so I thought, you know, you, you use these movies as a, as a sort of therapeutic exercise in a way where you kind of think, well, if it's, <laughs> if it's happened to other people, maybe it will happen to me if I do it. Um, and, uh, and I think, yeah, I think a lot of the time I'll try and f with, with parts and, and acting in general, I think I, I find it the most thrilling when um, you read something and it, I remember it started really with Cronenberg on Cosmopolis um, when I really loved the script, but I was so afraid of talking to him because I didn't know how to kind of talk about the part in a in a academic and cerebral way. But I knew I really liked it, and I was literally I found the emails where I was talking to my agent, trying to figure out how to get out of even a phone conversation with David because I was so terrified of being humiliated on the phone. And then I kindly got finally like tricked into talking to him about it. And I was just like, I'm so sorry, David. I really like it, but I literally, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what it's, I don't know what it's about. I don't know how to do anything. And blah, blah. and David said to me, I'd say, like, yeah, me neither. I have no idea what it's about. But like, <laughs> but it's been, but he's like, but it seems juicy, right? And I'm like, yeah, it does seem juicy. I mean, it's kind of, and if you kind of approach it, I've now I've literally almost every job I've ever done. In fact, every single job I've ever done from that point on, I have to say to the director at the beginning, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to act. I don't know what the part is. Like, I'm literally just like, I'm just rolling the dice on a, on a, on a take to take basis. It's the, and I've got about a one in, a one in six hit rate. <laughs> but, like, but, uh, but, um, yeah, that's kind of probably why I don't do that many commercial movies. Cause you can't really do that to a kind of corporate machine. If you, if you go up and say like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I think if you if you approach things which you're which you're afraid of and and uh, and uh, it's yeah it's kind of I think that's the way to find parts I think. I can can I say something about Robert? Um, well, being on the set, I think for me, also I could see that in other movie, it did. Is he has a. For me, it's very strange to express that with word is he has a, a sort of a, of course in Cosmopolis it, it's great because it is lonely from beginning till the end, um, but he is completely, um, there is always something that is hidden. He does not give everything, as people say, I will give everything. No, something stayed behind his face, behind his skin, inside, a sort of, it's not resisting any direction, no. It's existing, I, I would say, which is probably what David Cronenberg like also, you know, existing, not, um, yeah, for me, the, it's easy, so easy. I was completely amazed how easy, because I'm shy and first day of shooting, it's always 
this sort of approaching an actor or an actress with a camera, it's not an easy thing at all. And I knew this, this mystery in, in him would help me to get close. Uh, I'm getting the sign that we have to wrap up. But um, so I just want to point out that in addition to presenting High Life tonight and Thursday, Claire will be participating um, in a talk on cinema tomorrow, and she'll be showing clips from some films that she wants to talk about with Kent Jones at six o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know if my show, my show, my show is, is certainly very bad, but I don't know. No, I think they're good, but. <laughs> But anyway, you can, uh, um, tomorrow at 6 o'clock and High Life tonight and Thursday. So Robert and Claire, thank you so much. For the thank you very much. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-A-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.